the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. In 1995, wow. That was a long time ago, right? Jeff Bezos read a report about the growth potential around online commerce. He saw a projected growth rate of 2,300%. He took that information of online commerce is going to grow at 2,300%. And he launched Amazon.com with that information, an online bookstore. The same year he read the report. He was Jones and he was juiced. He was excited. By the fourth quarter of 2001, the company turned its first profit. And just 10 years later, the company had grown to include 30,000 full-time United States employees. For one reading in 10 years, he had created 30,000 jobs. That is capitalism. That is commerce. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Today, you can look at Amazon and say they're one of the largest online retailers in the world. The company currently has more than 12 million products for sale and makes more than $232 billion in annual revenue, and that's only going to go higher. Got more than 150 million monthly unique visitors. When they start selling more ads, holy mackerel. You think uh, the number of monthly people visiting Netflix to see Stranger Things, they all die in the end. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. They don't really die. But uh, they're just actors. They're just actors. They're just actors. Um, 150 million monthly users. That's powerful. So you look at the Super Bowl and you see 100 million people watch it. And then you learn things like, you know, those sample stations at Costco, those are more effective than a Super Bowl commercial. So you kind of learn through life, like how the world works. Amazon claimed a 49% share of the e-commerce market as of 2018. That's the latest data that I have, so work with it. One of the largest opportunities related to opportunity size is Amazon has got a whopping 55% of all online product searches. Online product searches begin on Amazon. And for instance, let's say I need a new TV. I'm going to go in and let's say I know it's going to be a 50-inch or a 52-inch or a 53-inch or a 53-and-a-half-incher. I'm going to hit that category. Then I'm going to hit the best reviews or the most bought. And then when I see the reviews, I'm going to look for the worst reviews on it see what the people who bought it hated about it. And that may be all I need. So Amazon's got this potential of they're dominating search. I know you're saying Google is. Well, Google is, if you want to see me in a bikini, go to Google and hit Rob Black Bikini. You're going to see stupid pictures of me, right? And you're saying, did you wear a bikini? No, I did not. But you see the idea. For shopping, you go to Amazon. For people, you go to Google. Amazon includes opportunities for retailers that go beyond just selling. They present a chance to manage, monitor, and control brand representation. Amazon's giving customers tools that allow companies to submit trademark-registered content on the products being sold on the platform. You know, hey, I bought a nice Rolex. Oh, crap, it stopped working after a month. (laughs) You just got jonesed by the Russians. So Amazon is selling pretty well. Now, a lot of people don't know what an Amazon vendor is. An Amazon vendor... They've got something called Amazon Vendor Central. It's used by first-party sellers. They're most product, uh, they're mostly product manufacturers. 
suppliers and distributors, they basically don't end up in stores. They end up at Amazon. So Amazon's getting paid in a lot of different ways. Um, very powerful company. They do a lot of analytics for their salespeople, their vendors, so to speak. You could advertise on Amazon, which I'm finding a little bit, how shall we say, annoying when you go for a product and you see ad, a sponsored product or a sponsored brand or product display ad. Uh, they kind of got it three different ways. A sponsored product are ads that are most popular format, counts for about 84% of ad spending. They're self-service and promote individual products sold on Amazon. Typically includes a title, maybe a product image. Uh, a price, maybe some positive reviews, a prime badge if it's applicable so that you know that you can get it in a day or two days. So the sellers can target audiences based on keywords or products. Daily budgets for the ad campaign are pretty smart and easy to roll out. So that's a sponsored product. Now, a sponsored brand are available to those who are enrolled in Amazon brand registry. Those ads can be targeted manually or based on keywords, and they operate on either a daily or a lifetime budget. And then there's the product display ads where you go, ooh, you get a custom headline and a custom logo, or I guess your logo and a custom headline. And uh, Amazon's killing it. Amazon's got exclusive brands. They've got private labels. Private labels are Amazon-owned brands, which include Amazon or Prime in the product listing. Amazon-exclusive brands are advertised by Amazon as our brands but are not owned by Amazon and don't include the same refund guarantee as the private label company does. This is a complicated company. And a lot of companies are trying to copy them. One area where companies are trying to copy Amazon is the Amazon Go-like checkout system. Have you been to an Amazon store or even a Whole Foods where you just put stuff in your cart and walk out? It's already scanned the item and charged your Amazon uh, credit card. Now, startups are starting to say, well, Amazon can't own this lucrative business of no cashiers by all by themselves. So you're starting to see a lot of companies copy them. Uh, they're say, they're going to Walgreens, they're going to CVS, they're going to Safeway and saying, hey, wouldn't it be great if you could fire all those cash registers, cashiers, and cash registers? Cash registers, you're fired. So the Amazon Go like checkout is rolling out. And as it does, you're going to see more companies announce very similar pilots and projects. Grocery chain Giant Eagle, they started a pilot with a no-weight checkout experience at one of its locations. Startups in the space include ZipN. By San Francisco-based uh, company, Zippin, Z-I-P-P-I-N, no G, Zippin, and Trigo Vision, which is a Tel Aviv company. Standard Cognition is a publicly traded, not a publicly traded company, but a private company that will go public as they continue to roll these things out. They'll ask for some sort of fee to either service the technology and or get a piece of the action on everyone who walks out without seeing a cashier. Solutions developed by startups remain difficult to roll out in large-scale formats, though. So it's, it's, it's technology that Amazon has already rolled out at 14 of its stores. But it raises the questions, will others be threatened and want to do exactly what Amazon does? Or will they say this is too big of scope and we need humans? Do you remember the first time you went into a Home Depot or a Safeway? And you went to the checkout line that had no one in it, and you're like, oh, i got to scan my own items. Oh, and I can't do it because there's alcohol. Screw me. And you're like, you're at Home Depot buying alcohol. Something's wrong with you. Um, but yeah, startups developing their own cashierless checkout systems are all tied towards Amazon. And if you tell me that's not innovation, if you tell me that's not disrupting a, a world, I, I say otherwise. I like Amazon as a company. Consult a Broker advisor for taking any action on any stocks ever mentioned. Kiosk-free checkout solutions are not 
um, owned exclusively by Amazon, but they're the ones who are rolling them out first. And retailers see ways of cutting costs. <clears throat> don't have to pay the Social Security, don't have to pay the health care of a robot, of someone walking out of the store. But the cashier, much more expensive. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm not a big fan of ping pong, and I feel like the China-U.S. trade situation is ping pong. I'll go as far as to say I hate ping pong. I took my kid one year to a ping pong party, and uh, I know you're saying a ping pong party. Like beer pong? No, like a ping pong party. King Kong went to Hong Kong to play ping pong. Um, so I took my kid to a ping pong party and his coach or captain or whatever they give to the kids for the day to teach them ping pong had the worst breath ever. Let's just say I've, it's colored me bad. So Larry Kudlow, national director of economic council, blah, blah, blah. He dampened expectations about any major breakthrough coming from the U S China trade negotiations next week. He cheered the strength of the U S economy after the release of stronger than forecast growth data. He said the U.S. economy grew by 2.1% in the second quarter, topping expectations. That's a lot of data to start to chew through right there. First and foremost, consumers were the bright spot of the GDP report. Core capital expenditures, they're increasing, which bodes well for the third quarter. The trade factor is a large looming issue in GDP. Cutlow uh, also said he's hopeful China trade talks will continue after next week. He said no big grand deal will be had this week. He would like to go back to where the trade talks left off in May. That's before the tariff rate increase of 25% on $200 billion tranche of goods. He says if talks go well, there should be no new tariffs. But if talks do not go well, tariffs could be used. He is unhappy with France's digital hacks, digital tax that they're throwing out against some of the big tech companies. Uh, and President Donald Trump, he says, has ruled out any currency intervention, but he's really unhappy with how other countries are using it. And I agree with that. A lot of countries <clears throat> devalue their own currency to make it cheaper to buy their goods. Um, and that has long-term ramifications, not really short-term ramifications. Short-term, it feels good. Long-term, it's no bueno. BJ's Restaurants is publicly traded. I know you're saying, for real? I know. Um, they came out with a quarter that was average to below average. Did you go to BJ's in the last 90 days? Did you go in the last year? That kind of traffic is what they report on. That's the kind of traffic is what we, we base. Uh, do we like them or not? So BJ's restaurants would be a reasonably priced company, all things considered. It's not my kind of stock. It may be your kind of stock though. I'm not a big restaurant fan. I got McDonald's. What else do I need? Ba-da-ba-ba-bop. I'm loving it. Uh, maybe I need Starbucks. Their CEO, Kevin Johnson, talked about the strategic decision to focus on two core markets, the U.S. and China. Uh, they're expanding digital delivery in the U.S. They've got an improved loyalty program. They've got drink innovations in the United States. In China, Starbucks is aggressively expanding its store count. And it's capitalized on its partnership with e-commerce giant Alibaba. The company issued upside guidance for 2019. I like Starbucks as an investment. But as always, you should consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned on the show. The best gauge for determining the health of the consumer demand for Starbucks is what's called comparable same-store sales. Sometimes it's SSS. Sometimes it's comparable store sales. Same-store sales, SSS. And when you look at that, you can see that they had a 6% up quarter compared with analyst expectations. 
uh, 4.4%. So that's trending in the right direction to above right. Average ticket and transaction volume is playing relatively equal roles in geographies of of U.S. and China, which if they're the two most important economies to Starbucks, they're probably the two most important economies overall. Starbucks added 400,000 new loyalty members. Man, loyalty members and cards on your uh, phone, it's big. So sometimes I look at my rewards and I go, I'm a good looking man. I got a lot of rewards. And I, I look at myself in the mirror and I go, that's attractive. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. There is one more thing that I, I – one tweet that got out this morning that I want to add a little color to. President Donald Trump says Apple will not be granted a tariff exemption for its MacBook Pro computers. You would think that would be a negative to the stock, but it's really not because MacBook Pros are a very small part of Apple's business. But Apple has kind of played along with Trump. I think it's fair to say that Tim Cook gets and and puts a lot of importance on having a relationship with the president, whether he likes him or not. Some companies are drawing a line saying, we don't like you. Some companies are drawing the line and saying, we like you. Apple's kind of somewhere in the middle. They've talked about opening manufacturing facilities in the United States, kind of putting a feather in Trump's hat. But at the same time, they're saying, hey, can we get an exclusion on this MacBook Pro that's being built in China? And um, Trump said no. But he has said yes to tariff exemptions on the Apple Watch and the AirPod products. I love those AirPod products. I know you're saying, you're a fool. I might be. Uh, Amazon is seeing some weakness today. Revenue saw a very small upside, so we're going like, oh, where's the sizzle? Um Part of the highlight of their quarter was the move to one-day delivery. Free one-day delivery is now available to Prime members on more than 10 million items. And Jeff Bezos says, we're just getting started. One day I'm going to rule the world. No, he didn't say that. He says, we're just getting started, though. Uh, he did talk about Prime Day, which did not fall in the quarter. It'll be in, it'll be in next quarter. He said sales surpassed previous Black Friday and Cyber Monday compared combined. That's stunning. I'm sorry, but we have to get some sounder of... Uh, Keanu Reeves saying, you're stunning. You're awesome. Like, you're all that in a bucket of chicken doesn't quite work with Amazon right now. Their web services, their cloud hosting service, um, doing well. Not a huge part of operations in terms of total revenue. It's seen as a critical growth engine for Amazon down the road as everything's going online. Everything. So my key takeaways on Amazon's quarter is they saw a huge top line boost from its move to one day shipping. But that also led to higher than expected operating costs and margins got affected. The numbers kind of show that. The concern here is is the operating costs going forward as other retailers are not catching up to them, but emulating them and copying them. Amazon Web Services seems to be slowing, leading to concerns that Azure is making inroads for Microsoft. There's plenty of growth for both, but it is a concern. So that's what I got for you. Uh, Google, some analysts are raising the numbers. Um, good quarter, big buyback, $25 billion buyback. That's a big number that buys back a lot of shares. It makes earnings easier to hit in the future because there's fewer earnings per share. There's fewer shares. So the earnings that they do have look a little bit bigger. Hey, you look a little bit bigger this year, Rob. You working out? <laughs> I am with Amazon. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. <clears throat> Boy, I got a little bit of phlegm in my throat today. A big wet winter caused a big allergy season, and I have to think that it's helped companies like CVS and Walgreens get more traffic in their stores as people say, <clears throat> as they get the black lung and the phlegm lung and the, the mucus in the eyes and things like that, they say, let's go to the drugstore and pick up some drugs. And then you go, ooh, there's a Coca-Cola on the, on, the, on the shelf. They drive you in for what you need, and then they sell you what you don't need. Anyhow, and anyway, I want to talk a little bit about um, Apple. They're going to report earnings next week. This has been a big earnings week for Google. Solid numbers. Facebook, solid numbers. Amazon, not so solid. Starbucks, solid numbers. McDonald's, solid numbers. Like the way you play this in earnings season, like it almost gives a little bit of a pass now for the next 90 days if you have the solid numbers. Or solid outlooks, even more important, right? If you have a surprise miss, you may get penalized. But typically only if you lower the expectations going forward. So Apple's going to report on July 30th. And I own shares of Apple. What does it mean to me? Not that much. But a lot of exchange-traded funds own a lot of Apple. A lot of index funds own a lot of Apple. Apple makes up 5% of cap-weighted large-cap funds on average. So if they have a bad day, the whole stock market could have a bad day. I think there was a song on... Game of Thrones. So you had a bad day. You lost your head. No. Um, bad days suck. But that doesn't if if Apple pulls down the market, that's a buying opportunity for the market. In theory, consultant burger rise over taking the action in its expansion. But you get the idea. Um, now whether Apple owes too much of an index or not, it, it, it's it's almost like a lost cause at this point. A lot of concerns about waning iPhone demand and other issues. I just feel like the phones don't differ that much year to year right now. And when they do differ, it's like, oh, that's nice. I feel the software is improving. Hella nice, especially in the photos. It should be said that, you know, um, the stock has gained 32% in 2009. Dun, dun, dun. That makes me want to throw a dance party. Hey, everyone, it's Rob Black's dance party coming this week or coming this summer to a, a sh- station near you. Do you know how bad of a dancer I am? <laughs> I'm miserably bad. I don't think I've danced in the last 10 weddings I've been to. I don't think I've danced a minute. And that's sad because I have loved ones who want to dance. So analysts say buy on Apple. But there's also a lot of people saying, you know, what inflection is ahead? 2019 pattern is similar to the bullish setups for the stock after tests of rising to its 200-day moving average. A lot of people think it breaks above 210, 215 and goes straight to 243. I'm not that kind of guy. What kind of guy are you? Well, I'm not the kind of guy that believes in in technical charts always work. Technicians have a point. They have a play. I totally get it. But people who say, let's take a look at a chart, and this clearly says, um, typically they're trying to sell you that they're smarter than you because they can read a chart, but it's not. One analyst is out there today saying, buy Activision Blizzard. It's down nearly 40% from one year ago, so it's on sale. Stocks tend to grow up, tend to grow. Let's say they grow 100% over three years. They tend to pull back and and give some back. So this one's giving back 40%. That's a lot. I'm with this analyst. Let's take a look at it. They've got an upcoming Call of Duty release. But Fortnite's got a new season coming up. 
Now, Fortnite's losing a little edge right now to the Minecraft. Do you know about Minecraft? Who owns Minecraft? No, it's not some Danish Swiss guy who who's all into Legos. Microsoft. Oh my God! No way. Microsoft. Microsoft is a big company, and they own a cool hip uh, Minecraft, which it's never going away. That, well, at least that's what it feels like. It's been pretty popular for a pretty long time. The guy who invented Minecraft, uh, he's considered a kind of a playboy. He's a a really rich billionaire for selling to Microsoft in L.A. So he has parties at his house that are, I hear, epic. And you're like, oh, my God, that's, that's Drew Barrymore. And you go, oh, my God, that's... Hillary Clinton. He has epic parties, and they're like typically booze fueled. Which, if you're gonna have a party, it should be booze fueled, right? It's tough for me to say the word booze fueled. Booze fueled. Don't mock me. <laughs> I know you're saying you've been waiting to say that for a while. You know why I hate Instagram? Because people show how great their lives are, and one of the things that they show that is so great is their freaking fragging wedding. Whether it's your vacation, your ugly kids, the one that annoys me the most is your wedding because you're pushing to other people to say, oh my God, I need a wedding just like that. Look, the bride, she's hugging her, her third child from a fourth husband. And now she's getting married a fifth time. Holy mackerel. I'm not, I'm not shaming wives and mothers. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to shame people who post these really expensive photos of really expensive weddings um, the price of the engagement ring is tough enough. The honeymoon is rough. The ceremony and reception is brutal. We don't need to see photos all along the way to make us feel bad that, you know, I had a shotgun wedding with my fat wife who was pregnant with a kid. Ah, I don't need that. Cause now we need to have a second wedding. We're going to get skinny this time and we're going to get cute photos. $38,700. Weddings don't come cheap. You can buy a pretty good automobile. You know, my brother, Mike, surprise, surprise, his first marriage didn't last. He offered his bride. If I just give you $10,000, can we skip the wedding? And she said no. But they got married, and it didn't last very long. Weddings are so expensive that 28% of couples around the world go into debt to pay for them. That's no bueno. The average cost to get married is $38,700. That's a lot of money for a young couple. You should be starting your lives together. not Or you should remember the day forever, not paying for the day forever. So to have a judge or an officiant, as they're called, 300 bucks. Cake and desserts, 550 Invitations, $550. $550 for invitations? I might just I might just evite it. A dress, $1,700. Flowers, $1,800. Photography, $2,400. A wedding band or a band for the band. A band? Not for the band for the band. Well, a band for the band. Let's give a hand to the band for the band, everybody. Um, like a three-piece little orchestra thing may cost you $4,000. Catering, $7,000. The venue, almost $10,000 if you want a nice one. And they know it. They know it. The average wedding in New York City, New York City, is $50,000. $50,000. You know what? I may fall in love with a girl from Cleveland because in Cleveland, it's only $22,000. And I'm all about the do-re-me. I know you're saying you're not going to fall in love with a girl from Cleveland because their ears are attached to their head. I know you're saying, wait, wait. Their ears are attached to their head? Yeah, I have a theory that the middle of America. I once went to Chicago, and I might have had an edible. Or I, I don't think I tried to have one, but someone may have given me one. Because at one point in the night, I'm looking around. I'm like, everyone's ears are attached to their head. Their earlobes are attached to their head. And I felt like taking scissors and walking around and like cutting people's earlobes to free them. I would have got arrested. But that's my theory on people from the Midwest. They have not quite evolved they're still in the bovine state or the monkey state where the ears, lobes are attached to their head. 
I've got healthy, nice, juicy looking earlobes that look succulent like a baby lamb. I know you're saying, please go back to bed. So anyway, um, wedding ceremonies, multiple wedding ceremonies. If you think about getting married and buying a house in the same year, those are two milestone lifetime events, and they're both expensive. You're going to need $50,000 to get a down payment on a house. You're going to need almost $30,000 to $50,000 for a wedding. Elope, ladies and gentlemen, elope. That's my advice. I'm sticking to it. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. New website out there called newfocusfinancial.com. A lot of good downloadables there. Chad did a segment recently on some tests that you can try to give yourself to see if you're able to retire. Doesn't sound like a fun test, but yet it's a test. So cross the board strength, whether it be Twitter, McDonald's, Starbucks, Intel, Alphabet, Amazon, not so strong, but kind of sideways. I think Amazon's getting poised for another move higher, just like Apple is technically speaking. For the record, I want to invent a company to be very similar to Twitter, but you're only going to use it when you're on the toilet. You're going to send messages to your friends when you're on your toilet and well it, it, it rhymes with twitter <laughs> that's what i think about that and enough is enough 800-516-1220 if you want to get your calls on the air i'm rob black talking all things financial money investing and more don't be shy um, taking a look at some of the stories out there it does feel like friday during the summer beyond meat day is today Stock's up 20 points, sitting at 245. It broke out big time yesterday. A lot of people are trimming the big rally in the in the stock, but it feels like summer right now. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. Not the poop one, because it rhymes with Twitter, but it's no bueno on air. You can also check out newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I try not to bore you on this show like CFP Chad Burton does. Financial planning is not the sexiest thing in the world, and I try to turn stocks sexy. Investing sexy, money sexy, business sexy. It's business time, right? So the GDP number that came out this morning is not sexy. There's no way to like make it like all that in a bucket of chicken. I wish there were, but there's not. When you see GDP coming in at 2.1%, expectations of 1.8, you're like, that's nice. But GDP very much so is what have you done for me months and months and months ago? And Wall Street is about what have you done for me in the future? They say the bond market's smarter than the stock market. Stupid is, stupid does. But the stock market has this crazy thing that it, it, in the short term, it is pretty stupid. It'll go, oh, my God, President Trump just did what? And six months from now, they'll be like, oh, it's all about earnings. So they say the stock market is a little bit about um, the next six months out of the bond markets in real time. The key takeaway from old data, like GDP, it's not about the future. It's not even about the now. What you can get out of it is I'm like, eh, I get it. Things weren't that bad. If things weren't that bad, maybe they're not still not that bad. The key takeaway from the GDP number that comes in at 2.1% is that there's some impressive strength from the U.S. consumer. Some muscle, if you will. 4.3% growth in personal consumption expenditures. That's PCE for you and me. Yeah, you know me on PCE. Um, that's the second highest in the last 16 quarters, and it's it's strong. It's saying the U.S. consumer is good. Now, thank you very much. Don't you wish I just had one hand? Because now I'm going to say, on the other hand, maybe the consumer's spending all that money on credit cards, right? No! 
just give me a simple way of analyzing this, Rob. Don't don't convolute it. I'm going to convolute it for you because that's what I do. You know me. I'm the convoluting kind of guy. I know you're saying that doesn't even make sense. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, money investing and more. Don't be shy. I think that's kind of an important phrase that continues to pay is that you need to take some sort of ownership, if you will, of your retirement. Whether you get there by beg, steal, or borrow, I don't care. My job is to get you there. And I think I'm doing a pretty good job of it. I appreciate your feedback. I appreciate your insight. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Cash is king now when it comes to credit card rewards. And people love their credit cards and people love their credit card rewards. I'm a big fan of credit cards. For me, it helps me keep a budget uh, because it categorizes things for me. But a new survey out of creditcards.com said 49% of American adults have a cash back credit card. 49%. I wouldn't have thought it was that high. I use the city, the city 2% cash back on things that don't hit restaurants or, or travel. It's simple. It's easy. Earn 1% when you buy it. You earn 1% when you pay for it. So something costs a dollar, cost me 98 cents in my mind. I'm getting 2% off. And yet Amazon gives you 5% off on purchases with their, with, through Amazon with their credit card. So I use my Amazon card for my Amazon purchases. And on Prime Day, they give you an extra 1%, so it's 6% off. <clears throat> Cashback is a great, great starting point because it's so simple. Think of it as free money. There's different types of credit cards. I think there's cash. There's probably gas. There's airline hotel type cards. There's business cards. Most popular reward categories are groceries, travel, followed by gas and dining. I remember that I don't have a gas card because I do use my Amex, which is kind of my gas card. But I remember not that long ago talking about gas cards that you can get like free gallons of gas after you've filled up so many times kind of thing. You're like, woo, that's a perk. And then you drive around stupidly and say things like, uh, this gas tank is paid for by not me. So I, I have credit cards, and I'm comfortable with them. And I think you should have credit cards and be comfortable with them. But you should pay them every month. And if you can't do that, you shouldn't have a credit card. Anyhow, and anyway, that whole Jeffrey Epstein creepy thing going on where he may have been a purveyor of young children to have sex with. And by young, I, I'm, I'm guessing 14 based on the media reports, but I don't know. Could be younger, could be older. I don't know. But he had a lot of access to Morgan Stanley. He got in on 40 stock offerings that you and I probably couldn't get in on. And that's kind of what the story is as they're trying to uncover his financial kingdom of, I'm not saying Morgan Stanley did anything with children or anything like that, but the guy liked to party. Sometimes it was partying with children. Sometimes it was partying with alcohol. I, I don't know. But the question is, was he able to get access to IPOs that you and I couldn't? It's an interesting question. And it makes you kind of angry at the system. And you feel kind of rigged. The Dow's rising today as investors respond to news that the U.S. economy grew at an annual rate of 2.1%. Woohoo! But also solid earnings from basically everyone yesterday except for Amazon. Amazon was very meh. Now, Amazon's quarter wasn't bad. It was just meh compared to Amazon. 
Elizabeth Warren's out there. She's worried about an economic collapse. Unwarranted. Fake news. Um, Twitter's rising on revenue and user growth. The interesting part there is the user growth. A lot like Snap, it came out a much maligned stock because it didn't have their digital story together. They're now getting their digital story together. I don't own it. I hope I don't say in years to come, I don't own it. I wish I would have owned it. I'm taking a harder, longer look at both Snap and Twitter. Um, Don't own them, but I don't want to be in a situation saying, I wish I had owned them. Because their metrics are improving, and that's something Wall Street pays attention to. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.